Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter, Niagara Gazette sports editor, and welcome to episode 14 of Buffalo Press Box. Nick, we got a bunch to talk about, an eventful bye week for the Bills, uh, an eventful time for the Sabres, who have been in a rut but got out of it with a big win against the Bruins. Uh, first to the Bills, uh, the big news has been that Vaughn Miller uh, was charged with third-degree felony assault of a pregnant woman. He's with the team. He's practicing. Should he be active for Sunday's game against the Chiefs? Uh, no, on multiple levels. Um, I think you it's America, so you have to let uh, due process play out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some some differentiating. Uh, well, it's not nobody's disputed it yet, but um, uh, WFAA in in Dallas reported um, that uh, they had been in contact with um, Vaughn's girlfriend, and she is she's now saying that there's there was no no assault took place, I guess, um, through text messages, um, which obviously is, is different than what, um, the police said in a signed affidavit. Um, so there's that out there, you know, he's, he hasn't been proven guilty or anything like that yet. So he deserves his due process. Right. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he has to be playing football for the bills. Um, I think the NFL should have stepped in and put him on the commissioner's exempt list. They've done that in the past uh, with players uh, accused of domestic violence. I mean, he has been charged. Um, he's out on bond. Um, $5,000 bond, though, for a multimillionaire. That's that's pretty low. Um, hmm. But, uh, you know, the, the, a message should be sent that this, you know, that you know, we'll, we'll support you with your, your legal process, but that doesn't mean you you need to be here right now. I think it's a distraction for the players. You know, uh, I think it's a distraction for the team. And, you know, what does it say to, you know, people who have been victims of domestic violence or um, been around that, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't think it sends the right message for the NFL. I don't think it sends the right message for the bills. Um, And, this was a chance to kind of take a hard line and, and, and say that they, in 2018, they, they signed Tyrell Dodson, who's obviously still on the team and starting. Um, he was an undrafted free agent. He was um, accused of domestic violence. Um, the bills kept him. He, he eventually, you know, he denied it, but, but took a plea deal and he got a six game suspension from the, from the league and the team kept him, which is, I mean, it's pretty easy to get rid of a, an undrafted free agent. I mean, nobody would have blinked if they did, um, but they kept him and stuck with him, and he's still around. And, you know, so, so there's something, you know, in their back pocket there with that. I mean, Brandon Bean at the time said, you know, if they had, if they had seen any credibility to the accusations, they wouldn't have kept him. But I mean, he said it after the fact, obviously. And then, you know, last year with Matt Ariza, I mean, he, he's, accused of of gang rape uh the bills felt that they were lied to um and then released him um you know a, a day later and obviously it's it's come to light that you know maybe he he didn't partake in that um the the San Diego County um sheriff's department said that there was nothing 
there's nothing to charge him um, and that he couldn't have been there for it. So they were too quick to jump, you know, to jump the gun there. And I don't know if that's something you're afraid of here. Obviously, they can't cut him. It would be fiscally irresponsible to just forfeit almost $11 million. Um, but, you know, the commissioner's exempt list is that's a chance to he'd still get paid by the bills, but he wouldn't be playing football. I just don't think it's it sends the right message right now. And Vaughn Miller, I mean, he's been a very respected presence in that locker room, hasn't he? Well, I, I think it wouldn't be unfair to say that he was is probably the most respected guy in the locker room. Um, and that includes Josh Allen. You hear guys quote him all the time. Um, you know, he's the guy who brought a, a Super Bowl replica trophy into their locker room. Um you know, he he was pretty revered by a lot of the young edge rushers. Um, you hear Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer uh, quote him all the time. You've heard, I mean, I think Josh Allen has quoted him in the past. I mean, this is a guy who's been around the block. You know, he's an eight-time Pro Bowler. He's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens with his with the, this legal situation, but um, he certainly, you know, before November 29th was a lock for the Hall of Fame. You know, he's a Super Bowl MVP. He he carries a lot of weight and, you know, he's over the top positive usually um, to the point where, you know, sometimes it's unrealistic. Um, but he has been a, a, a very, very big deal in that locker room since he was signed. And, you know, I, I don't know how much that's going to change now. Um, I'm sure there are going to be guys that will stand by him. Um, I'm sure there'll be guys who look a little differently at him. And I think that's what you might expect um, with someone like that. And then you factor in everything else too. I mean, he's played eight games and has two tackles. So, I mean, it's not like, it's not like this is a situation where the bills are just kind of blowing off the issue and saying, we need this guy to win. We need this guy to, so we can get to the playoffs. Like, it's not like he's really contributing a whole lot on the field that, that they need to, take a stance like this. Okay, Nick. So the Bills playoff chances, they're six and six. Uh, they're in the hunt. I mean, we remember when that graphic would have come up years ago when the Bills were, you know, in their drought in the hunt and it wasn't very realistic. I mean, <laughs> you know, we've been asking every week, but is it realistic that they make the playoffs? Obviously they have, they have to get on a run here. They have to maybe, win out um and it's such an odd dynamic that we have this team people still think at least some people still think could win the super bowl and we're talking about them you know if they can make the playoffs it, it, it's just it's very odd to have a team of this caliber f- fighting for their lives in early december here what i mean what do you make of this playoff race i guess um is it realistic that they make the playoffs yes and no i mean would I advise anybody to go and put their money on it? Probably not. But I mean, you look at the talent on this team, you look at the talent at quarterback. Yeah, this is a team that can run the table. They're they're more than talented enough to do it. Um, but that means putting together a complete game and then putting together four more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they haven't shown that they can put together a complete game, you know, since what week four, ten weeks ago. Um, they yeah, the haven't. You're talking about yeah, the Dolphins game, and that's really the only complete game they've played all year. 
Um, I mean, the Raiders was pretty good, uh, but really, you know, that's the best game they've played all year is that that Dolphins game. And, you know, they're going to have to they're going to have to win five games, I think, to get in. I mean, maybe they have a chance to get in at, at 10 and seven if they go four and one down the stretch. But, you know, if they lose this week, then you, you're just in the same scenario. You have to win four in a row. And at that point, it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many teams in the, in the in the playoff race right now. You look at um, Indianapolis, Houston, um, Jacksonville. The AFC South race is now up for grabs with Trevor Lawrence getting hurt. Um, Indianapolis is red hot, you know. So who knows what's going to go happen there? Um, Cleveland is kind of sputtering now. They've had so many quarterback issues. Um, Pittsburgh is now, I think. I, I, I thought it was going to be hard for them to sustain the way they were winning with Kenny Pickett, but now that he's injured, I mean, you're leaning on Matt, uh, you know, Mitch Trubisky as your quarterback. Um, the Bengals are still around. They're still kicking with, with, um, with Browning as the quarterback there. They beat the Jaguars, which I mean, you look at that and then you look at the Bills loss to the Jaguars and that's doesn't look like a great loss, no matter what Jacksonville's record is. Cause it's not like they're, when they play these good teams, it's not they're 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 not really winning. Um so um I think some of these teams are gonna drop off. You have to you have to wonder if Indianapolis can sustain their success with Gardner Minshew. Um Houston, obviously, they're so young. They just lost Tank Dell, their really talented rookie receiver. And as gifted as CJ Stroud is and as great of a season as he's having, he's also a rookie. So there are teams that you look at now, you know can they sustain the success? And so the bills are going to have to get some, some help there and then they're going to have to help themselves. And that's kind of been the thing all year. They haven't really helped themselves. They've played some, uh, I mean, playoff games. They've uh, obviously lost a couple there, but they played some really, really good regular season games there recently. I mean, it's not like this is a place they haven't won in a long time. Obviously, They've lost massive games there in the, in the postseason, but I mean, some really, really huge wins there recently. Well, th- I mean, this is a this is a pretty fitting place for them to to go with the with the season on the line, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, since twenty twenty, when you know the Chiefs really took it to them twice, the Bills have done you know almost all of their postseason moves personnel wise have been in the name of surpassing the Chiefs Uh and stopping Patrick Mahomes. And three years later, they they haven't accomplished it yet. Um, But this is, it'd be pretty fitting one way or another, whether it's, you know, to beat the Chiefs and Arrowhead to springboard a run or to lose to the Chiefs again in Arrowhead in, you know, a, a, uh, incredibly meaningful game and you know maybe maybe you know that's the end of an era um because mm-hmm. I, I think it's they're gonna be the, the bills aren't gonna look like this next year it's gonna be a different a much different look um Jordan po- Poyer is aging um and really looks like it a lot lately Micah Hyde has kind of lost a step and they're putting him in positions um, that aren't flattering 
I, I think he's still got something left in the tank, but they need to use him in the right way. Um, Jordan Phillips has, has kind of struggled um, with injuries and, and hasn't really been a big factor since he's come back to the team. Um, Shaq, Shaq Lawson is on a one-year deal still. You know, there are a lot of these old guard. Mitch Morse um, is playing well, but getting up there in age and has a big cap hit. So unless he takes a um, a restructure, maybe maybe he's gone at the end of the year. So there's a lot of these guys who've been around for this whole run or most of the run uh, who aren't going to be around next year. And it, it kind of feels like this is their last chance to, you know, overcome the Chiefs. And you know, you know, I, 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 we've talked about it before. Sean, I think Sean McDermott's job is safe at the moment, but you lose this game, and then who knows what happens if it starts a, if it starts a downward spiral down the end of the season. You know, maybe it's his last chance as well. Hmm. All right. So Patrick Mahomes isn't quite having a Patrick Mahomes type season. But, I mean, he's still the league's best quarterback. <laughs> um, how can they stop him? I mean, they, they, they've played him pretty well at times, but how can, they, like, how can they stop him? Simple question. Kidnap him before he leaves the house? Oh, okay. I mean, that's, that's probably the only way they can stop him. Um, you know, yeah, you, like you said, he's not, he's not having a Patrick Mahomes-like season. Um, I don't necessarily think that's because of Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are averaging, I think, you know, four or five points per game less than they they have at any time during his career as a starter. Um, he's got Travis Kelsey still, who's still very, very good and very, very dangerous, but he's getting up there. Um, Is that the guy but, who's dating Taylor Swift? I, I thought Taylor Swift was dating him. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I thought I he was the big star. Ahead. Okay. I thought I'd heard that name before somewhere. Are you a Swifty? No. Is Betty? Not that I know of. Oh, so you won't get any blowback here. I I don't think so. Okay. Um <laughs> but you know, guys like Tyreek Hill is gone. You know, Marquez Valdez, uh Scantling is having some some issues catching the ball. Um you know, the, the Rasheed Rice, a, a rookie, has looked very nice, but again, he's a rookie. Um, and then some of the other guys that they have that they thought were going to take the next step, Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, they just haven't. Um, and I think that's really impacting their their offense right now. Um, I mean, Patrick Mahomes has 11, 11 career um, games where they scored single digits, and five of them have occurred this year. It's an amazing uh, stat. Yeah. So um, on the surface, it looks like the Chiefs offense is ripe. Um, But I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go into the game banking on that on that theory. I mean, he can still explode at any minute. And and, I mean, go ahead. And he's he's really, really there's really no solution to to stopping him like he averages, you know, if you blitz him, like he, he, I think he's been blitzed 34, 35, uh, in 34, 35 games, he's been blitzed 10 or more times. He's averaging, 
like a hundred and uh 20 yards more per game than he does does when he doesn't get blitz at nauseum. So um it's another amazing stat. Yeah. So it's like what are you gonna what do you do with this guy? The Bills have I think they've blitzed him 10 times once in five career games against them. Um they they've generally gone with a the theory that we're gonna rush four, play coverage, and make him be patient. And then at the end of you know, when the you know, when you get to the red zone, they condense the field and make it you know, trade touchdowns for field goals. Um, I think that's probably the best, set, uh, you know, strategy, but then, you know, their secondary has to hold up as well. Interesting, Nick. All right. So dealing with the KC blitz, how, I mean, how can, how can the bills throttle it? <laughs> well, the, the bills, I mean, it shouldn't, I mean, the bills have thwarted that blitz frequently. I mean, they blitzed Allen almost 13 times per game in five games. Um, and he's got 14 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, this defense, though, this is the best Chiefs defense that the Bills will have played, you know, over this last four years. Um, it's the first first time the Chiefs have been in in the top ten in, in um, yards allowed, and they're really versatile. They're going to send guys from everywhere. Trent McDuffie, who I the Bills coveted coming out of the drafts last year. And the Chiefs swooped in and took him at corner, and the Bills obviously then traded up for Kyrie Elam. Um, he's you know in the top fifteen in blitzes as a cornerback. Um, Drew Tranquil, linebacker, um, who is in 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 doubt with uh, with a concussion he sustained against the Packers. Um, he's in the top twenty five in blitzes, and then you throw in Chris Jones, um, one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He plays everywhere. He'll play right side. He'll play left side. He'll play, he'll play. You know, three technique on the outside shoulder of the guard. He'll go one technique on the outside shoulder of the center. He'll play rush end, um, wherever they want him to play. He'll play, and he's effective. All right, Nick. It's that time. Prediction time. I'll give you mine first. Bills thirty four, Chiefs twenty seven. What do you think? Well, you I think this is this is the thirteenth time you've picked the Bills. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I'm going to pick the Bills, and I'm going to pick them thirty-one twenty-four. That's a little close to my score. Pick a new score. No, All I only right. pick one score. I just think, you know, their their backs are against the wall. Um, they've shown that they can win an arrowhead in the past. Obviously, there's some news that came about um about Sean McDermott from um a series by Tyler Dunn. I think I think the Bills are gonna are gonna come out hard and come out fast. Um, whether they can run the table, I don't know, but um, I think they win Sunday. All right. So, if the bill we have to we have to wait and see if the bills are going to get off their their slide here, but the Sabers did Thursday, uh, beating a, a the top team in the NHL, the Boston Bruins. Um, hell must have frozen over, I guess, um, because the Sabers were playing just dismal hockey leading into this game, um, especially early in the first the first periods they. 
they start out and they get thumped by the blues in the early, you know, they come back, but they were just thumped in the early periods there. Um, again, to the hurricanes, I think were they down five, nothing there, uh, four, nothing in the first period. Um, and then they kind of had a clunker against the, the predators where they just, they scored one goal. Um, and then they come out and beat the Bruins. Um, what, what, what's your take on it, Bill? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, I think that the Sabres aren't in a playoff spot at this point isn't the most shocking thing. I thought they could make the playoffs. I think I've said I thought they would end the streak this year. But the fact that they're not in the top eight at this point in the season isn't, you know, the most surprising thing. What's surprising is that they're not higher and just how poorly they've played, how they've, you know, lost their identity and, and just how Badly, they're losing. I mean, they're not losing exciting games, you know, by a goal. I mean, they're getting, you know, they're getting blown out. They're getting blown blown out out of the arena in the first period regularly. So that that's that's the surprising part. Not that they're not in the top eight, but how how far down they are and how just downright bad they've been in a lot of games. But I mean, this Bruins win is. I mean, it's a huge, huge win. They they need. They needed any win to stop the bleeding. I mean, just any win would have sufficed. But to go on to Boston, uh, beat the Bruins without Rasmus Dahlin, without Alex Tuck, uh, with Devin Levi back. I mean, it was it was a huge win, and they've had they've had some wins recently where you feel like, okay, that's the one that might just turn things around. Now they're going to go on their run, maybe, or or start start looking like their old selves and. I mean, it didn't happen with the Pittsburgh game. It didn't happen with the New York uh, Rangers uh, road win early last week. But, I mean, maybe this is the one that kind of gets them going. Um, they were just, I mean, Don Granado has been preaching just hard and direct. I mean, and, and they, they were. They were tough to play against. They were, they pressured the Bruins. And they, I mean, they, they looked much, much different. And the surprising part about the Sabres is, how I, I mean, they've been pretty soft. They've been easy to play against. I mean, when you lose as many puck battles as they've lost in the last couple weeks, I mean, yeah, you're going to lose and you're going to lose badly. So, I mean, I mean, Thursday against the Bruins. Go ahead. You got something? Aside from, aside from, you know, the 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 lopsided early starts, there's so many parallels with the Sabres and Bills this year. I mean, well, they're both underperforming for sure. And they and like the Bills obviously had that stretch of slow starts. Um, and I wouldn't say it's necessarily over yet. Um, but the offense isn't playing the the Bills offense obviously hasn't been playing at the at the rate that that um everyone expects. And now here are the Sabres in the same boat. I mean, go out and score one one goal against the Predators. I mean, that's I get that they have some injuries, but that's really, really, really difficult to 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 swallow. Yeah, and I mean, entering Thursday's game against the Bruins, they were on pace for sixty fewer goals than last year. And you know what? They scored so many goals last year. Uh, I, I guess it was what two hundred ninety three. They were third overall. That's such a high number, and they're evolving as a team. It, 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 I think they want to play a little differently. If that number went down a little bit, whatever. But I mean, sixty fewer goals. I mean, that's 
uh, that's significant. And, and I mean, obviously, every guy across the board is performing below expectations, below standards, and uh, yeah, it 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 it's been a pretty rough start. But maybe this Bruins win, just like maybe I thought that Pittsburgh win the day after Thanksgiving and that Rangers win would turn them around. Uh, I mean, it certainly shows they have it in them. And to beat the Bruins, I mean, the Bruins had won 20 of the last 22 games against the Sabres. The, the only two the Sabres had won were Uka Pekka Lukanen's first game at the end of 2021, the COVID year, and that uh, wild uh, overtime game on New Year's Eve last year in Boston. So, I mean, think of, I mean, division rival, I mean, the Bruins are really, really good. But, I mean, to win... Tw- to win just two out of 22 i mean that's ins- that's like bill's patriots that's like uh and the ruins don't have tom brady that's that's right but they do have some pretty good guys and that's like i mean some like uh bill's dolphins in the 70s i mean that that's really i mean that that's significant that how how badly the Bruins feasted on the sabers but i mean maybe that starts to turn now i mean it's only one game but uh was uh, a strong, strong win and one they needed. So here's a, here's a hypothetical. Oh boy, let's say let's say that they can't pull out of their funk um, and, and build on this win. At what point is it necessary for Terry Pagula to come out and have a press conference, make a statement, something? When you look at these two franchises that he owns, I think it would have been pertinent for him to come out and and have a press conference, make a statement about Von Miller or to take a stand and say, Hey, he's not, he's not going to play until this is resolved. Um, Whether it's, whether it's, it's like, I, I don't think he's going to come out and I don't think any owner ever coming out and saying, if things don't change heads, they have to roll. I don't think that ever does any good. And um, usually the owners who say that are the, the owners we, we scoff at. The, the Jerry Joneses of the world, Hale Davises, um, I guess Mark Davis now, but um, but even if it's to give these coaches a, a, a vote of confidence publicly to say, I extended these guys, they're not going anywhere. You know, do you think that that's something that's needed just to show that that nobody's asleep at the wheel here? Well, I mean, you'd always love for your owner to speak, um, but I mean, he, he doesn't speak and he I, I mean i can't remember the last time he spoke to be well, honest he, he just got what um was it 500 million for that stadium in public funds 800 million something like that and he spoke he spoke at he spoke at the groundbreaking event but he right? hasn't he hasn't taken questions since since this was approved since it was approved by the state like you're getting all this money um from taxpayer dollars to build your stadium that you're going to profit from and you're not going to come out and take questions. I, I understand it's been a tough year or so for that family, but sheesh. Um, when you're getting that kind of cash, man, I think I think you owe people some answers. Well, the last time he spoke in a Sabre setting was, I want to say, when they made the move to Kevin Adams, and that was June 2020. So uh, he just... he. He just doesn't do it, and um, you'd always like answers, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna get them. I really don't. 
So it eight eight hundred fifty million um from in, in state and county funds um for for a one one point four billion dollar venue. Um, I was at the I was at the the groundbreaking, but that seems like like years ago after the way that this uh this fall and early winter has gone. But three, I I don't know the last time he spoke. You know, for the bills. It's hard to believe that it would be Sean McDermott's hiring in 2017, but it's possible. Um, but even three years, man, that's, that's a long time for the owner to go without talking. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, it's always been like, I mean, I think maybe if you go back to uh, before Adams, it was when uh, they hired Jason Bottrell. So, uh, unless I'm missing one there. But um, yeah, I mean, uh he he just doesn't like to talk and he, you know what he he he's a he's a good talker i mean his his first press conference his news conference when he bought the sabers i mean it was it was it was something else i mean he really he brought the people in he he was he was emotional he was just passionate i mean it was that's... i don't think he's a good he's necessarily a great um order but he's he talks in a way that resonates with people Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, immediately, immediately in that, um, I mean, we're going back, whatever, almost 13 years now, I guess, but yeah, immediately. That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, in 2000, whatever, February, March, 2011, I mean, he, yeah, he immediately he grabbed it. I mean, he, he grabbed everyone's attention. I mean, he, I mean, I'll never forget how excited people were, um, when he bought the team and, um, so much of that had to do with that news conference and the passion and excitement that he displayed. I mean, and I, I just look at it as he throws out all this excitement and then he wants a new stadium and he's not getting the funding he wants at first. And he, he kind of threatens a move to like Austin, Texas or something like that. And then all of a sudden the funds come in and you're still not going to still not going to have a press conference about it. Like that's just, to me, I think I think the Buffalo sports community could could use some some words from him. I mean, he was if he wasn't at every training camp uh, practice. Again, I don't, I don't remember if he was there at all of them, but he was at most of them and never spoke. Um, I don't. Know. I, I just think at some point, if you're not reaching the goals that that are set, whether it's the Bills or the Sabers, and neither of them right now are on that track. Uh, I think that's when the owner needs to speak. I know back in the day, it was, you know, the president was kind of designated to speak for him. That was, you know, whatever, Ted Black or who, uh, Russ Brandon. But I'm not sure uh, how that all works now. But, um, yeah, I mean, everyone wants answers, and I, I honestly don't think we're going to get them. No, I, I don't think so either. And. I mean, when you look at how the bills are structured, both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott answer to Terry Pagula. Mm-hmm. So if, if a change is going to be made, Terry Pagula has to make it. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess keep guessing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, Devin Levi, um, fresh off of his, his return to Rochester, he was there for about 30 seconds. In a shootout, and he comes back. What what did you make of his performance? 
it was, I mean, it was a, a huge performance. Uh, maybe, maybe his best game in the NHL. I'm trying to think back. I mean, he still doesn't have that many, but I mean, uh, to go back where he played college, he won the bean pot with, uh, Northeastern. I think, I think uh, TD Garden's a special place for him and to have that, you know, have that win. I mean, it makes you wonder now, what, what are they going to do? I mean, Uka Pekka Lukanen kind of won the start or did win the starting job, you could say. Um, and barely a week later, you know, he, you know, he's out sick and Devin Levi comes right back. And now there's three goalies on the roster again. And uh, it's important to remember De- Devin Levi wasn't sent down. You know, the other guys outplayed him. He wasn't necessarily playing poorly. He wasn't playing that great, but he wasn't playing poorly. I mean, they just, they needed the roster spot. They, they needed to just get him action. And the other guys were going, uh, Eric Comrie and Uka Pekalukunen were going, going well. Um, but now we're in a situation, well, I mean, Devin Levi, I, you kind of have to start him uh, Saturday against Montreal. I mean, his hometown team, I mean, that, that another significant game for him. Um, Uka Pekalukunen, I'm not sure how he's feeling, but if he's been out sick for th- three, four days, I don't know if they want to start him right away anyway. So Devin Levi is probably your goalie on, on, on Saturday. So I mean, he's gotta be right. I mean, you can't, you can't give up one goal against the the top team in the league and then go back to Rochester. No, no. I, I mean, he's not, I highly doubt he's going to get sent back down. Um, but it is, I mean, it is, kind of kind of odd he's back so soon i mean they could have they could have recalled dustin tokarski just you know just to back up and let him uh immerse himself in rochester and get used to you know his new teammates in the league and, and so forth but they called him right back up and they used him and uh yeah i mean we were wondering last week you know is he going to be down there a month could he be down there until April? Like, like, will we see him again this season? It was, it was kind of, it, it kind of happened uh, abruptly, and he was gone. And he like, wow, that was interesting. And now here he is back, and he's played maybe his best game. And I, he'll he'll get the net Saturday, I assume, and next week they go out west after they play at home on Monday, and uh, you know maybe there's more games in his future. I mean. Uh, they've shown the little ride the hot hand, and right now, I know it's only one game, but he's the hot hand. You know, it's their injury situation. You know, what what do you think the time frame on on Darlene is? Obviously, Tuck is hurt. When is he back? Uh, I think Greenway is 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 out now. Gergensen is still out. What's uh? When can they get healthy? Obviously, Tage Thompson is back. Yeah, and Tage Thompson, um, you know, you had the feeling with, Ta- with with Thompson that he was, they said he was week to week, but less than two months. So that told us four to six, which Thompson confirmed the other day. But you had a feeling it wasn't going to be that long. It just, I, I don't know why. He's a quick healer and just how badly he wants it. But you had a feeling he wasn't going to be on the sidelines too long. So, yeah, and sure enough, he comes back in three weeks and, you know, he's he gave him. A, I know it wasn't the best game, but I, I thought he definitely gave them a, some jump, a spark against the Predators and against the, the Bruins. He scores uh, a one timer, a pretty wicked one timer. So and he, he said the other day his hand, you know, he can he's not taking face offs, but he can 
I mean, he can shoot the puck like normal, and he certainly showed that on his goal. So, I mean, he, I mean, he's an X factor. If he can get going, I mean, it was it, it was a year ago Thursday that he had that four goal first period, five goal game against the Bruins. Um, he can get hot in a hurry. So, I mean, if he gets going, he could really. I mean, he's one guy who could radically change their fortunes. And as far as the other guys, uh, we were told with Green Tuck and Greenway, they're seven to ten days. Um, Darlene's day to day, and uh, I believe Gergen says it's maybe week to week. And I mean, they, I mean, they miss all those guys. I mean, first liner Alex Tuck, um, he was he was getting going. Uh, Jordan Greenway and Gergensen's great penalty killers. I mean, uh, every guy I think has a in my opinion, has a pretty distinct role. And, and Greenway and Gergensen are good penalty killers, and uh, I, th- I think their absence has been felt. What, uh, you know, while Darlene is out, um, I think Owen Power is, it, it, it was clear that he is now in that role. He played almost almost 29 minutes uh, against the Bruins. Sam, he played with Matias Samuelson frequently. Mm-hmm. He played almost 26 what do you think about the idea of keeping those two guys together when Darlene comes back? Yeah, why? I mean, keep going. Keep with what keep, I can't even talk. Keep going with what's working. And um, those guys haven't had the best season. Um, Owen Power, I don't think he's been as good as last year. Uh, Matias Samuelson hasn't hasn't been as good as last year. Um, he he just I don't know what a lot of giveaways, but they they just haven't been themselves and. When you've been as bad as the Sabres have been at times, a lot of it go, a lot of different things go into it, and just uh, power and Samuelson's play has certainly contributed to it. I think Powers had a lot of, you know, I think poor decision making, um, but I mean those guys, I, I think they'll be fine. It's just a matter of how quickly they turn things around, and maybe that game against the Bruins is is when they turn it around. Um, yeah, I mean that's. Uh, it's a pretty nice top pair to have. And I, I those guys are comfortable in those roles. I, I think they can they can play 25 minutes, no sweat. I think Owen Power is used to it. He, I think he played around there as a rookie. So, I mean, four more minutes, no big deal. I think he's a guy that would embrace being, you know, the number one in Dallin's absence. He quarterbacked the number one power play unit. I, I, I think it's good for him, for them to lean on him maybe a little more. I, I mean, sometimes when you're struggling – Maybe more can help you, and I think uh, I think they really maybe their best games of the season against the Bruins. When Darlene returns, is Eric Johnson the odd man out? He could be. I mean, he hasn't played more than he hasn't played fifteen minutes, and I think he's, it's once in the last fifteen, sixteen games. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think kind of that was a plan all along. Um, just to to be careful with his minutes, he's thirty five. Um, he's not the player he used to be. I mean, he's, he still has been an effective player at times this year. But, I mean, he's had a, a rough go of it, too, recently. And he sat out a game, and they said that was load management, something they had talked to him about. And I'm not surprised that they, they you know, sat him um, once. I mean, they've kind of, you know, Connor Clifton sat a game. I think Henry sat a game or two when he probably could have played. So they've been... They've been forced to make some tough decisions with uh, with having extra defensemen and Ryan. And the big thing's been Ryan Johnson's emergence, um, uh, forcing the Sabers to keep him. And 
they've gone seven some nights. I don't think they like to do that. So if they're not going to go seven, then I think someone's going to be the odd guy out. And sometimes it might be Eric Johnson. Uh, sometimes it could be Connor Clifton. Maybe it's Henry Yoki Haru. But um, and it has been Ryan Johnson too. I mean, he set out one or two. And I think that's good for them. Sometimes these guys, they sit out a game, it's like, oh, he's a healthy scratch. But I, I think the Sabres have tried to stress with some of these young guys that it's not so much a healthy scratch as it, it's an opportunity to step back and, you know, take a deep breath and, and just kind of see where you are and, and watch a game. Do they use buzzwords like synergy when they when they tell them that? <laughs> no, that was Is a Ralph poster, a poster in, in Granado's office. No, no, I don't. I don't think there's any of that. But I mean, uh, you know, yeah, those guys are sitting out. But I, I think it's not. You know, they, they Don talks about uh, sitting out Paterka and Quinn last year at times, especially in the beginning, and it wasn't. Was it? I mean, it's not like they're being benched. I mean, it's just the rookies. They're not going to play tonight. I don't think it's quite. You know, it's not the end of the world that some of these guys sit out some games. So uh, they, the Sabers, also made an acquisition, um, and and immediately paid dividends. Eric Eric Robinson came in wearing number fifty. I would I would assume in honor of Ray Bentley. Um. But uh, comes right in. He's on the penalty kill. Um, I, I thought he might have had his first goal, you know, uh, against the Bruins, but I think they gave it to Olafson instead. Uh, what do you make of the trade? What do you make of his early performance? Well, his early performance was terrific. I mean, he was noticeable. I mean, he scored a goal that got called back for the oddest goalie interference you'll ever see. I mean, it was just battling for the puck like hap- like happens like all the time every game but they called it back uh he had a breakaway um I th- he just gave him some energy i mean i think he he was good and that's the kind of game you expect from a guy in his first game with a new team especially after he's you know he cleared waivers this year he went back to the minors for the first time in three or four years i mean he's he's at a critical juncture of his career so i'm sure he's totally energized by the ch- change of scenery and a new opportunity um, and the, the Sabres, they, they were at a, at a, in such a rut that they, they had to do something. And I know it's not the most, uh, uh, you know, it's not the biggest move. It's, it's not like a wow move, sending a conditional seventh rounder for a guy who was on waivers, you know, earlier this season. But and it addressed a need. They just, they needed someone else up front. They needed someone who could kill penalties, give them just more jam. And he's already paid dividends. So I, I think it's a good move. I mean, it's a low-cost move. I mean, you give up a conditional seventh rounder, and I don't know what the conditions are yet, but, I mean, whatever. I mean, you you take that. I mean, you can get an NHL player who can help you immediately when you've lost, you know, four straight games, five out of six. And as we said, the way they lost them, do it. And, yeah, he's one game, but a nice fit so far. All right, Bill, what do you expect for the weekend? Well, I mean, Montreal's coming to town. And, I mean, they, they've played the Sabres tough, and they're, they're a competitive team. I think they're ahead of the Sabres. I mean, that's one team, however, the Sabres should be ahead of. And, I mean, they should beat them. I mean, I mean they need to string together wins, as we've been saying every week. They need to go on a run here. They need to win, you know, 
three or four straight or get points in three out of five, or excuse me, you know, get points in three or five straight. They need to do something, something. And if they can't build off that Boston win, just the way they played, the way they started, just, I mean, I don't, you feel like it's never going to happen, but uh, yeah, beat Montreal. Well, Bill, we, we got this one in. Uh, we're, we're late again this week. Uh, Bill had to put his Christmas tree up. No, actually it's not up. So you told me you couldn't record Monday and you didn't end up doing the two things you said you were going to do. Correct. That was the plan to put it up, but we didn't. There's a lack of commitment there, Bill. Sorry. Also, it's December 7th. What's 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 taking so long? Listen, I don't know where this at some point in time, something changed with Christmas trees and people started putting them up well before Thanksgiving, right after Halloween. In my day, you didn't do that. You you put it up after Thanksgiving or in the first or second week of December, whatever. Like you weren't putting your Christmas tree up on November 8th, you know? Yeah, but it's December 7th. I know, and it's not up yet. We'll put uh, we're gonna put it up Sunday after the Bills game. All right. I I don't believe you. Well, we are. I, I, I'm gonna have to see evidence for for me to believe it. I send you a picture. Do you I, now now when it comes to celebrating Christmas? Do you do you take the same line of thinking and say, oh, it's not it's not like Christ was actually born on December 25th. We don't have to celebrate it that day. No, no, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th. Do you actually celebrated it, or do you say, "Oh, it's Christmas"? You're kind of a Grinch. I know. Uh, we I usually get together with family. Yes, although last year it was delayed because of the storm. We got the excuses coming out already. I know. So there's another storm. Maybe we don't celebrate it on the 25th. Have you started your Christmas shopping yet? Yes. I what did you get me? What did I get you? Close your eyes. What do you see? Uh, well, I know it's I know it's Betty's wedding dress in the back, but it it, it always uh it always makes me think it's a ghost. Bill Bill's Bill's wife's wedding dress is hanging in the background, and it looks like a ghost is hovering hovering over his shoulder. Yeah, oh, kind of spooky, huh? <laughs> it it is it is. Uh, but yes, the tree will be up on Sunday. Thank you. All right, are you going to watch Christmas movies? Do you watch Christmas movies? Some of them. What what's uh, your favorite? Uh, uh, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, I guess. What about Die Hard? Uh, that's up there too. Is it a Christmas movie? I'll say it's a Christmas movie. Yeah, it's so much. It's a it's a controversial take, Bill. It's all right. You're I a controversial I'm... guy. It's very true. I am, but yes, I'll I'll put uh, Die Hard on the Christmas list. A classic. All one right. Of the, one of the greatest movies ever, in my opinion. Next week, Bill will release his full his full list of Christmas movie recommendations. All right. All right. So may shock you. Anyway, well, thank you for joining us. Uh, you can email us at buffalopressbox at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line or want us to talk about something and uh, give us a review. Tell your friends, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Nick, thank you. <laughs>